0: Hello and welcome to this vidcast which is devoted to energy storage in Australia. What motivated this vidcast is an announcement which was made in November, the 5th of November 2020, so quite recently. And it was about building a new energy storage unit in South Australia. Capacity 300 MW. And the objective is to meet security needs for the Australian power grid which is in a difficult situation those days. There are two partners, Tesla, the very well-known car manufacturer, which is providing the batteries and their operational management, which is about forecasting and providing electricity, charging and discharging the batteries. Neowen, a French company, is in charge of running the investment project and managing the financing of the project. The name of the project is Hornsdale Act because there was a Hornsdale Act 1. I'm going to elaborate a little bit later. The agenda which I propose is first to introduce Tesla and Energy on the one hand, Neoen and Energy on the other hand, why these two partners are building the project together. Then I will explain why and how they created Hornsdale Act 1 in 2017. There will be a discussion on uncertainty, volatility and value and value creation, which will give me the opportunity to drive you back to Enron about 20 years ago. Then we'll be back to today, and in January 2020, something very exceptional, between quotes, happened to Hornsdale 1. This will give me the opportunity to discuss about what exceptional means and then I will be able to conclude on some comments on different ingredients which you can put together, mathematics, technology, economics, and finance, The day you want to create value in a business model. So let's start with the relationship between Tesla and energy. As you all know, Electricity is at the heart of the business model of the company. It's a core asset and the company claims its independence. We want to produce our own batteries because it's fundamental in the car. Once you have reached your independence in terms of production of battery, you can produce batteries for cars obviously, but also for power grids because some of them really need them. A very important moment in the story of Tesla was the acquisition of SolarCity in 2016. If you look at the financials of the company at that time, the revenues, the sales were about $4 billion in 2015 and showing a growth rate of about 30% in 2016. But the company was far from being profitable and was generating operating losses of about $800 million. Accumulated a lot of debt, three billion, and was sold to Tesla for 2.6 billion. This means an enterprise value of 5.6 billion for a company which is generating 800 million of losses. It was engineered as an all-stock transaction, so Tesla shares against SolarCity shares. At that time, the Tesla's market value of equity was about 35 billion dollars. It's about $600 billion today. So those people holding SolarCity shares who kept their Tesla shares, they are quite happy four years later. Now, there were a few questions about the acquisition itself because Elon Musk was in both companies as a shareholder. Uh, The managers of SolarCity were Elon Musk's Cousins, etc. etc. Okay, forget it, let's move on. Now, if you observe the evolution of this new segment, energy generation and storage, in the consolidated accounts of Tesla, you observe that it was absolutely negligible in 2014 and 15, a bit starting in 2016 because of solar city. Full power in 2017, but at a level of 1 billion plus, not 4 billion, which means that the company sold, divested plenty of assets, which were producing maybe some revenues, but plenty of losses. And this is why in 2017, there is some positive gross profit. Then revenues reach 1.5 and 1.5. And if you observe the first three quarters of 2020, 1.2, which should become 1.5, 1.6. So quite stable revenue stream. Now let's move to the second partner, Neowen. It's a French company, which was created in 2008. The founder, who holds the majority of the shares today, is a very well-known businessman in France, whose name is Jacques Vera and is financial holding Impala. Neon operates solar and wind farms and is developing energy storage solutions. The company is obviously generating lower revenues than Tesla, but in 2019 it represents 250 million euros, showing a growth of 22% against 2018. The EBITDA is 216, which is 86% of revenues and showing a growth of 30%. This is a very high EBITDA business. Why? because the cost is building the facility and not operating the facility. By the way, the EBITDA is far from paying for capital expenditures and capacity increase, which is 764. It contributes to less than 30% of the financing, which means that on the one hand, the company has huge tangible assets, 2.4 billion and huge debt. The debt represents at the end of 2019 1.8 billion which is 8.4 times the EBITDA, about 8 today. So you understand that it's very much leveraged for a company whose return on investment aims at being in a range of 5 to 10 percent. You can have a lot of debt in your balance sheet once your cash flows and revenues and EBITDA are reasonably recurrent and predictable in the future. Now, if you look back at this very famous Dupont de Nemo formula, in which the return on capital is a combination of the commercial profitability and the asset's productivity, you understand that the Rose, which is 5 to 10, is a huge return on sales multiplied by an extremely low assets turnover. The capital intensity is absolutely fundamental in this business. Over the last two years, the French stock market index went up by 8%, the CAC 40. In the meantime, the went up by 170%. If you look at the balance sheet and the consolidated statements end of 2019, shareholders' equity represents 660 something million euros. And today, the market value of equity is 4.2 billion, which is a multiple of six times the book equity. And if you go back in 2017, before the company is listed, you make the sum of capital and premiums, additional paid in capital, and you have 170 million euros, which came from the pocket of the initial shareholders. Now this is worth $4.2 multiplied by their equity stake. And you understand that it is a fantastic financial investment. What really triggered Hornsdale Act 1 is a storm and total blackout in South Australia, which took place in 2016. At that time, the government of South Australia decided to open a bid and the competitors were supposed to provide frequency control, frequency regulation in addition to additional supply for the national and regional power grid. Who won the competition? Tesla and Neowen. They installed 100 megawatt of capacity. Later on, it was upgraded to 150 megawatt. The total cost, approximate cost, is about 150 million of Australian dollars, which represents 120 million of US dollars and about 100 million euros. Two missions provide the additional supply when it's needed and also, very important one, control the frequency in the grid. You remember that electricity is provided with a frequency which should be stable at 50 hertz. And all the electrical engines, all these equipment which are using electricity, they need the stability of this frequency. If you can't make sure that it's going to be 50 hertz, what's going to happen? You damage this equipment, you destroy them then as the stability of the frequency is absolutely crucial for the territories at large, when there is a problem, when there is a volatility in the electricity supply, you understand that you have to be able to connect in a fraction of a second the batteries and the system to the power grid so that you stabilize the frequency and you understand that it is really a technological challenge. Now, as it is an extremely complex technological challenge and it is a very valuable service you provide to the community, you understand that you can sell this frequency regulation and control at a high price and the profitability of the system for the battery storage unit is definitely frequency regulation. Now at the end of the day, was it profitable for the local community and the region? The answer is yes, two years after the implementation of the system, the Australian government communicated on the fact that locally the total savings had exceeded 150 million Australian dollars, which is the cost of the investment itself. Now it's a payback for the territories. it does not mean that it's a payback for the partners. What is the economic model for the power supplier? First, you bring frequency regulation service and additional electricity supply. But in addition to that, you have a storage capacity which you are going to use to buy and store electricity when the price is low and you sell it back when the price is high. This is a very straightforward principle. You buy low and you sell high. So it's easy to understand. It's a little bit more difficult to implement because you have to know exactly when to buy and when to sell. And then you need a model to try to evaluate when it's a right moment, again, to buy or to sell. This first optimization goes a little bit against another optimization which is the cycles of charging and discharging the batteries. If you do it on a permanent basis, you are going to significantly reduce the longevity of your batteries. So you need to find a kind of trade-off between optimizing buy and sell moments and optimizing the cycles for the longevity of the battery. So you understand that it's a very sophisticated technical challenge, technical management, and operational management as well. I'm going to go back a little bit later in the comments on this technology. Now, the intellectual challenges of optimizing this electricity-based business brings me back to an article which had been produced about 20 years ago, June 1999, by Business Week. The title of the article was Exploiting Uncertainty and the example which was provided is a very well-known company, Enron. Enron was the owner of a portfolio of non-competitive power plants. Their operating costs were fifty to 70% more than the normal production cost. What is the economic rationality behind these non-competitive power plants? Well if you look at the evolution of supply and demand in the electricity market, sometimes it's hugely unbalanced. And then the cost of electricity, the megawatt-hour, may go up very fast, very quickly, very high. And there is an example which is provided in the article about somewhere in Midwest where the cost of electricity moved up from $40 to $7,000. So you understand that you don't care about being non-productive by 70% if the price at which you are going to sell electricity is multiplied by almost 200 Then you understand that the financial and economic model of Enron is temporary opening. I open the store when the price is much higher than my cost and I close the store when the price is back to a normal level. Then you take a decision as an operator and you produce when the price is more than the cost. But this is your decision, which depends very much on the evolution of price against cost. How do you describe this kind of decision in finance? It is an option. And so an option is not the obligation of doing something, it's the right to take or not to take a decision. You are going to exercise this right, you are going to exercise the option when the option is so-called in the money. So when the price is more than the cost. So you exercise your right when you make money. That's quite straightforward. And we make the difference in finance between the financial options. So options on assets, which are financial assets, as opposed to real options. And a real option is anything which is not finance. So it is any business and industrial opportunity. Now Enron was very much the illustration of option-based business models. They were not exploiting uncertainties. This is why I put a question mark in the title of the slide. Because uncertainty is about something you have not identified. You don't know what's going to happen, where, when, and the magnitude of the impact. Here, you know that it is about electricity prices. So it's much more about volatility of something which is identified. So Enron was about exploiting volatility. And all the mathematical models which are about pricing options, they use this volatility as a way to create value. It's the evolution of asset price which is fundamental. Now you understand that Hornsdale is not exactly about Enron, but there is also a kind of risk and volatility which has to be discussed. Let's go back to this so-called, between quotes, exceptional first semester 2020. Neowen is presenting its financial results first semester 2020. In the financial communication, the company is explicitly mentioning a tornado which happened in January and which killed the interconnection between South Australia and Victoria state down during 18 days. So during 18 days, they had to mobilize a battery. The company is publishing the impact of this exceptional event on its EBITDA it incremented the EBITDA by 16.5 million euros, not the revenue, the EBITDA. If you remember that the cost of the unit, or the storage unit was about 100 million euros, you understand that these 18 days of exceptional moment, of course, paid one-sixth of the initial investment, which is absolutely outstanding, but the company insists very much on the fact that it's a non-recurring event, it's an exceptional event, no doubt about that. Well, I'm going to discuss the exceptional part of it. If you take into consideration climate change, exceptional events, and the impact in Australia, what do you observe? Extreme heat, drought, water shortages, Consequence of that, fires, especially in Southeast in 2019. If you enjoy tennis, you remember the Australian Open in 2019 and the players who were really exhausted because of smoke, because of lack of oxygen and so on. It was absolutely dramatic. Now, a second implication of climate change, tornadoes, extreme weather events. So you have the fires and tornadoes. And these two phenomena apply to a power grid which is, I would say, decrepit. You reduce investment, you reduce maintenance costs, and at the end of the day, your power grid is in a desperate situation. Then should you consider that this event in January 2020 is recurrent or non-recurrent? I leave the question mark. I just remind you that Hornsdale too was announced a few weeks ago and it's no more about 100 or 150 of capacity it's now 300 so you really have to ask the question is it exceptional is it recurrent now a few comments to conclude you have different ingredients here in the same pot you have mathematical skills skills in modeling and modeling extreme risks, not modeling a log normal distribution and the Gauss curve, which is for my friends in finance. You also need state of the art skills in deep learning. So, you build your models and your models are upgraded and permanently updated. You need to be very good in building algorithms, etc., etc. This is about mathematics and skills in mathematics. You also need very, very good skills in technology to build the batteries and to build the interconnection between the batteries. And the grid, which is absolutely fundamental for the frequency control, your bread and butter. You need to be very good in economics because you have to build a model, an economic model, which creates value for the different stakeholders. It's going to be shared value creation. And then you also need to understand that when you create value, you can fix your pricing strategy according to. Last but not least, finance skills. Structuring the project on a financial point of view is a key challenge and skill. Now, once you put all these ingredients together, you can create a nice meal. Now, you understand that, of course, there are extreme risks. But an extreme risk, once you master these ingredients, is also a fantastic opportunity for a profitable business. Thank you very much.